Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hoopotheticals. Uh, if you have sent through some of that big fan mail that we got in a huge dump recently, look, we're getting to it, you know. We can't answer everybody all at once, but, you know, it's something that we're slowly getting back to. Just so people know how serious we're taking it, you can probably see it. It's all in boxes. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Just it's there. We're working on it. And uh, hopefully you can uh, have some patience. <laughs> So, yeah, so if you haven't heard back from us, just understand. It's just, we're just inundated. And as we said, we're surprised even this mail can even make it to us, given that we are in undisclosed locations. So congratulations to everybody out there who's, who's worked out where we are. <laughs> we, have, we have to move every 14 business days. It's just a nightmare logistically. So for those groupies who are just mad keen for it, you know, we love you, but leave us alone, please. Uh, oh man so Tommy, have you been uh have you been watching much of the season this year yeah i have mm-hmm. i have it's been um i mean like everyone's been saying the weirdest start to a season ever except uh-huh. for the buck uh start to season that's probably the most predictable start i've ever seen to a team ever um <laughs> but more of that later uh, no i've definitely been watching a lot it's been very exciting interesting um so keen to discuss yeah well before we get into the bucks we've got to obviously talk about them but i just wanted to check in are there any teams that you're watching more than you thought you would oh um i'm not sure i've been it's hard i've been watching a lot of Mavs highlights obviously because luke has been like just tearing it up um a little bit of calves but again that's not really a hot take um no, no teams that have been that surprising. Like I've enjoyed some Grizzly stuff, enjoyed some Suns, mm-hmm. but I've spoken a lot about them in the past. So no teams really caught me by surprise that I've just kept watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what about yourself? Has there been a team that stood out that's just caught your eye? Well, I have been watching, like, I mean, just like when I'm looking for games to watch sometimes, I'll gravitate definitely towards Jazz games. I've been watching a couple of them. Um, I'm finding them really interesting, uh, and I'm liking, um, I, I like watching the Lakers a little bit. There's a fascination with me, with that team. I don't know. I'm just fascinated as to how it's crumbling. That's the thing that I like watching. It's like watching a, like something in a zoo almost (laughs) like, like it's like you're behind this plexiglass and you're like, what? Like what's going to happen next? You know what I mean? It's like, like watching a car crash. You're like, I can't look away. And I felt the same as well. Like I, I keep on my algorithm on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I keep getting like Westbrook, like, uh, like just Westbrook being Westbrook for like little snippets of each game. Mm -hmm. I don't hate it. Watching them. (laughs) That's why they keep coming up. And, um, you know, I get kind of excited when he hits a three or he gets a steal or something because Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I definitely sympathize. Like, you know, it reminds me, I don't know if you've seen these on social media, but I get a lot of like uh, either ads or just different images of AI generated art. And it kind of reminds me of the strangeness of that. Every time I look at it, like, cause like when I look at that AI art, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, what is this? And then when I'm watching the Lakers, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, what is this? You know? <laughs> Why am I still looking at this? <laughs> I can't look away. <laughs> 
um yeah no um well i i like i was uh, saying just before the podcast i've got a theory about the jazz but we'll get to them in a sec because you and i've both been watching a fair few bucks games and i just wanted mm. to get some initial thoughts about you and the bucks you and i have both t- talked a little bit on the chat about how we both think that there is a chance this team is unbeatable which look i it look it may sound pretty uh brash but it's how we both feel i think <laughs> despite having two losses in the loss column but um, <laughs> <laughs> um tell me what have you been your biggest takeaways from the start of the season for the jazz i mean not the jazz the bucks <laughs> wow wash your mouth out um <laughs> I, i've just been uh reminded once again about how big the bucks are like they're just so tall and when we're playing at full strength, I really don't know how anyone's going to score in the paint. But then on the flip side of that, our three-point defense has been like markedly improved this season um, where teams just aren't hitting the three ball against our team. So um, as far as I'm concerned, if you take away the paint, you take away the three, you're left with like, you know, the quote worst shot in the NBA or like the deep two. And, and the only person who's good at hitting deep two is Chris Milton. He's on our team. So <laughs> I, I find myself I find myself back at the starting point of being unbeatable. I've been really impressed, um, jokes aside, I've been really impressed with Brooke Lopez. Somehow he is the most underrated center in the NBA. I feel like people have just been writing him off year after year for, like, different reasons, and the dude is a bucket. Mm. Um, other, like, hot takes, I actually – don't hate at all um the rookie um what's his what's Bo-champ. his name i've forgotten his name Bochamp. Ma- yeah. yeah mahjong Bochamp. um i feel like he's actually like low-key good and to be honest take away um what's Nwora's minutes and give him to Bochamp. Mm. to be honest um <laughs> who's just like really competitive athletic and can defend a lot better than jordan War. like um mm. so yeah i've been enjoying that um, yeah, there's a lot of depth on that team, which I don't think, I think people are like, oh, George Hill, he's old, but he's still playing really well. Um, yeah, I'm just really, in- even, um, Wes Matthews, like, mm. I don't know how old that dude is, but he's somehow, <laughs> still, he's still a great three and D guy. I really thought when he left like two years ago, whatever it was, that was it. But I love that they've brought him back. I love that he, f- he almost feels like he's got something to prove a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, dude, we're, we're deep. <laughs> anyway, what are your like high level thoughts? Well, okay, I agree with the Brook thing. Brook has really been a, really a revelation. The thing that I'm not loving about Brook sometimes, though, I feel like his post up game is a little worse than I've seen it in years past. Um, when we were playing against the Thunder, he was struggling against like so like he was just he was just making a lot of mistakes where you're like I don't love this, but everything else about his game has gotten so much better. His shooting is he's so he's so confident this year with the shot. He's just like if it, if he's even oh. sort of open, he's like, I'm just gonna shoot this, which I love. Just taking like Dirk fadeaways like <laughs> all the time. And um it's the slowest fadeaway you'll ever <laughs> see. And he shoots it at such a high <laughs> angle as well. Uh-huh. Um, He's got to make sure there's at least three seconds left on the shot clock before he gets into that move or else it's not getting up in time. <laughs> Legit, man. I don't know how he does it. Um, a revelation. Yeah, and I think he's been playing so well. Um, I also ha- I also feel like we- when I'm hearing people talk about the Bucks, it's I feel like it's been 
as always, under-discussed, you know, like they absolutely smoked out, like out of the starting gates. Everyone's like, what's happening to the Nets? You know, it's like, I understand. Yeah. It is confusing and there was a lot happening there. What's happening to the Lakers? But it's like, at the end of the day, no one could beat this team for a little bit and they didn't even have Chris Middleton. Um, so I feel like they're being a little underreported. And the other thing as well, mate, I feel like they've gotten to the stage where we've just started, like Giannis Drew, uh, you know, being out, even Grayson Allen, like being out for the last few games. I, I have like, this might be a bit of a hot take. I don't actually think they're really that injured. I think they're, they're bench. He's benching them because he's like, well, we've got a great record. They probably like, we don't want to risk them getting injured. And they probably got like little niggles, like a little mm. bit of a knee, like the smallest thing, which any other season, any, like if they were five and five, they'd probably still play him. But because we're in such a good position, he's like, eh, give him to Marjon. Get those minutes straight over to Marjon. Yeah. My boy BP. But um, <laughs> I don't think, I'm like 0% worried about injuries or anything. Like I genuinely think they're just sitting Giannis because they're like, why do, would we even bother putting him out there for 20, 30 minutes? Mm. Like he, we're, we literally don't even need him. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I and I also think it's like I think what what happened last year. I've heard this also in some other areas where like people have done some reporting is that the Bucks were really frustrated last year that like they felt like they should have won, and if Chris Middleton wasn't injured, they felt like that was theirs, which I think is a fair thing to think. So I think this year, and I also think a second thing that they're kind of aware of. This is going to be a less of a factor, but I think I think last year, I don't know if you remember at the end of the season. We had an opportunity to be in this in the two slot, but we rested people. Do you remember this? Yeah, we yeah, I do remember this. And this and I think that's why the Celtics did they jump a place yeah, yeah. because of that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think also with that, it kind of came down. And I think another thing that I've heard is that because game seven was in Boston, Boston's yep. role players played better in game seven. And that's something they'll yep. at least consider this year, which, you know, like after the hot start, they're like, we should, our primary thing is that everyone's healthy for the playoffs. But I think they will yep. be like, I think we also do want a good record in case the same thing happens again. We can get, you know, Pat Connaughton and George Hill, you know, on fire in game seven. Um, Cause I think that was something that kind of, they did think about, but I have been watching that series back actually recently. What a great oh. series. I like, I love, Game one and game five. Game five, that like 14-point comeback in the fourth quarter. Just great basketball. Yeah, it was. And Giannis was just on a tear. I mean, mm. it really shows that like if he had even a scrap of like bit more help, <laughs> that, that's a wrap. And like I, it, in my head, it was like Giannis versus Celtics. And mm. it took, it took um, a really good Celtic team and a magical Al Horford run to slow the <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it took a a miraculous Al Horford like like revival mm-hmm. uh, to, to slow down Yana. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm really I, I I am actually as a bit of a detour. I am a little surprised. The Celtics have actually come out pretty strong this season. Mm. Um, I know that last episode I called them. They have a not great season. Not backing down on that. I actually think it's just a fluke. I do think they're still going to have a not great season. But I have been mildly impressed. Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, obviously still walking buckets. But I don't know. I feel like they're on stilts. Like mm-hmm. that whole team is like house of cards. But mm. anyway, we'll see. Well, um, I wanted to actually uh, 
I was going to see what you thought about some different teams um, and stuff. But actually, the first thing I want to get into, I was going to, a couple of episodes, I was talking about a theory. I think we can use this to bleed into some other conversations. But um, I was, uh, I had a theory, okay, that is to do with how you build a team and how you build a good team, okay, and how teams, and I want to just get your thoughts on it, all right? So traditionally, I guess this is something that's changing a little bit now, but it's not 100% change. But traditionally, to win a title, you would just have a couple of good players. Like, you you know, you do the the Miami Heat circa 2012-2013 LeBron, Bosch, Wade, and you just take that and you're like, we'll just, you know, once we have three people that you can't guard, we can work it out from there, right? I have a theory. What do you think about this? That building a good basketball team is kind of like building a Pokemon roster, okay? And the reason I'm saying that is because when you think about like teams that are specialized in one thing, and I think the Nets are a good example of this, but they specialize in offense, right? If, If they run into a team that can kind of shut that down, they don't have a second option. So they're kind of like those Pokemon gym leaders that have like one rock type, you know, they just only do rock type Pokemon, and then it's like, yeah. if one person's got some water type, it's over, you know? Um, where And like, when you're a Pokemon trainer, you're trying to build up a roster so that whoever you're fighting, you have some options. Like, hey, this isn't working. I can go to this. If this isn't working, I can go to this. And you have different options for different yeah. things. I think kind of what's happened with the Jazz is they've ended up with just a mixed bag of all these different bits and pieces that you can use in different times. Conley is like, hey, this really slowing the game down. Now I can be a nice half-court offensive, defensive guard. Oh, the game's really fast. We can go Sexton and Clarkson. You know, like we don't need to use Conley. Olenek is like, they've gone small ball. Now we stick a seven-footer out on the three-point line and they're going to have to make sure they guard him because he can hit it down. You know, so it's like, they've got all these different options. They've got defensive options. They've got offensive options. And so I think in that way, they it, it like... And I think the Bucks also kind of have this as well. Like good teams, I think nowadays have the options to maneuver around to different things. Like you can't specialize in the way that you once used to be able to. So like with the, like, I gotta, yeah, I was just going to say, just to, just to finish it yeah, off though. Go. I was going to say yeah. like the Lakers, yeah. the reason, and using this example, the reason that they don't work is they are kind of like a one type thing, which is like run yeah. things through LeBron, except they don't even have the right pieces for that. So it's just, they've got really, like anybody can kind of throw anything at them and they don't really have answers. Like, I don't even know what they're good against. You know what I mean? They're like bug types. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. They are a bug type, mate. And and you can't, it doesn't matter if you've got eight butterflies, uh, butterflies, you know, you're going to get schooled. I have a pure hypothetical for you, Jazz, just yeah. as a slight tangent. <laughs> on, on the Jazz, are they are they ushering in a new type of rebuild as far as like a framework for what it means to rebuild a team. Because I think everyone thought like everyone thought start of this season, they're tanking the gun Victor weapon Yama. They don't like, they're just trying to get as many draft picks as possible. And they're just going to build it from the ground up. You know, lots of youth that obviously the, the league is a lot younger these days. It's all about, you know, finding those picks it's all about finding those like obscure european like i've just i watched huttle like like last week so like that's what it's like you know it's all about adam sandler finding <laughs> some like the second Giannis. so but i have a theory 
that I think the Jazz are flipping the script. And instead, of, I think what they're trying to do is instead of just tanking to try and get a bunch of picks, they're trying to show that you can play really good team basketball, like you're saying, with a couple of different Pokemon types. Mm. And I think they're trying to like attract honeys to the, like back to the, to the beehive, mm. like get them bees back into the honey by like playing good basketball that's attractive, that people want to be a part of, rather than just like going, oh, pull a Houston Rockets or a, I don't know, OKC. We're just going to go, go all young people and we'll just start again. Mm. Um, and I think that might be a new, like a new way to build up talent, but also attract talent mm. because no big, no, like as much as people might think this might be the case. I don't think any big star just wants to go to a trash team. Like you're mm. never going to get like James Harden going, uh, to, I'm tr- like going to the paces. Mm. Like that's never going to happen. And not because they can't afford him, but like because he doesn't want to go to a trash trash bag team. You know mm. what I mean? And I feel like the more the teams just tank, you're kind of just showing one. You're like, this is our only hope. We're hoping we get them good picks and whatever. What do you think about that hypothetically? I think it kind of poses a really interesting question, which is like, which situation, which sort of tanking situation would you most want to be in, right? And uh, and I, which is weird to even consider the Jazz in this conversation because they're not tanking at this point. I actually exactly. think it, it's getting to the point where they even can't tank anymore because they've won too many games already. Yeah, you know, like they're already it, past the point. Yeah, I know they're like already past the point where they can like take the wheels off this thing. It's already moving too fast. So it's like, yeah, do you want to be in a situation like OKC right now with Shea, who's, I think he's averaging more than 30 points a game. Good for him, you oh, know? Like, season three, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a joke, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that really fun team. When we played them, I actually loved watching them. I was like, man, Giddy's so Perfect. fun, you know, Dort's fun. Cool. It's a, it's like a fun team. That's So that's one way you've got kind of like the, I guess what the Pacers are kind of doing. I don't even really know what they're doing. They're like kind of halfway. Like at the moment, they're too good to tank a little bit because like Halliburton's playing well and they got that new rookie who's like averaging like 25 points or something, you know? But it's like, they're also, there's nothing there to win anything. Like they'll be lucky to win a play-in game, you know? So I probably wouldn't want to be there. The thing that I think I agree with, with you, and the problem is it gives me flashbacks to the D-Lo Nets, do you remember like them when it was like they were such a fun team because it was kind of selfless, yeah. Jared Allen, D'Lo, and then oh, it was like, it was it was like one of the funnest teams to watch. And I feel like the Jazz is going to become that sort of throughout this season. And it was just because they had so many options. And I think also what the Jazz is is it's I think everyone feels involved in the team. Like it's not we're running this through this all the time. It's when we need you you are going to do this for us. You know, like Olenek, well, there's going to be quarters where you just need to hit threes left and right. Or Markinen, you know, what you're always going to be open. If you're open, we want to get the ball in your hand so you can shoot it. Or, you know, if it's Clarkson, hey, we're down by five and there's four minutes left, we're going to need you to just do some one-on-one. I think everyone feels valued. And so every, you're getting the most out of everyone. Yeah. It's kind of like, because I've also had this theory, like coming off, coming into this season, some of the people that have done really well were people that were playing Eurobasket. And there's some of the people that you wouldn't even expect, like Markinen is someone who was in Eurobasket. Yeah. And he's a base, he had to be basically, you know, like the Michael Jordan for Finland or whatever, you know, <laughs> and stuff. So he's come in with a lot more confidence and he's he's been able to use his game a bit more 
I think like um, Porzingis also is playing better. He also played Eurobasket. Yeah. Luke has been playing better. He played Eurobasket. I just think it's like that sense of we want to give you like these people when they go back and play Eurobasket, they're given so much more of a role. Clarkson also is someone who went and played like in the World Cup or whatever for, for the Philippines. They're always given more of a role. And when you give them more of a role, they're like showing, hey, I can actually do this. I can handle this as opposed to like a Westbrook type who's like, give me more yeah. of a role. I deserve it. And then he kind of wastes it. But yeah, I think it's a fascinating I, idea. I, I back that up. I mean, I I have a theory that I don't think the Jazz were ever going to tank. I think their theory, they, I think from the start of the season, they were like, let's play and play good. And the reason I think that is because off the back of what you were just saying with like the team basketball of European style, mm. I think once like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert left, they were like, Whatever expectations are on this team, gone. We don't have like a superstar, like a, or like a traditional superstar. We don't have like a traditional um, first, second, third option. We've got like they've got like four third options. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's like you wouldn't think that would work, but it's kind of like it's it obviously is working because, like you said, they can speed it up, they can slow it down, do some like. Uh, paintwork, marketing, you know, shoot from the perimeter, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I I think that the, uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert leaving was the best thing to happen to that franchise, which is, that's not really, that's pretty obvious to yeah. say. Like, <laughs> even though they're like, they might not have the same record, it just feels like the air is a bit fresher there. But mm. my theory, my hot hypothetical take is that they were never going to tank this season. I think they went in going, let's prove that we don't need whatever this name, that name, mm. we can still play good ball and, and show people up because like, I don't know, it's, you know, the how long has the season been going for? Maybe just under a month, yeah, three weeks. And like, they're still playing good. They're not playing bad yet. So, yeah. you know, see and how it you goes to the right. Totally. And when you watch them, you're like, I don't even really understand how you beat this team because everyone can hit threes really well. You know, like when you yeah. watch it, it's like no matter what happens, if you if anybody collapses, it's over. You know, like because they're all because they're all kind of you know they all kind of remind me of like six men types. Like that, all of them could be yeah. a sixth man on a good team. You know, That's um, exactly what I mean. yeah. <laughs> and so but they're it's... all they're all sixth men. They're yeah. all like you know what they are. They're like if you had a good team with a really deep bench. Mm -hmm. But then you got rid of the starters and you just had the deep bench. That's what they are. Yeah. They're like every they're like the best bench players from like four different teams right now. Yeah, it's like like Bobby Portis could be on the Jazz right now. It's like you know he's like it's he's like a perfect he, kind of yeah. fit for that team. <laughs> he's like, yeah, they're like all really good role players mm. off the bench. Energy, like want to earn their minutes. Yeah, BP mate. I mean, dude is actually having a great season. He's averaging a double-double, <laughs> which I love that for him. Um, every time he's on the court, I just want to see him do more work. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he's just – he's in great he's in great form. Literally mm. worth every dollar. <laughs> and I guess also just on the Jazz as well, the other thing I like about them is that they can – like anyone on that team can get injured and they're not going to lose anything. You know, like no yeah. one on that team is really more important than anyone else. So it's like kind of – it's just such a good fun. I hope they do really well this year. And I hope they like upset a team that's got a lot of stars on it because I think that would be a great way for kind of basketball to go forward. Cause the league is really deep, you know, like it's super deep. If you look at yeah. even the bucks, 
Bucks bench, that's deep, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, can see, I, I can see the Jazz taking out the Clippers in the first round. Thoughts? Hot take, and I love it. <laughs> I think I really can because, like, the Clippers, like I said last episode, they're, they're once again doing the whole big expectations on the team, but somehow they just suck, and I don't know mm. why. And, like, they've had some good games, like PG's looking okay, but, like, Kawhi's... Every day he seems more washed up. I don't know. Like he just, as every game goes by that he doesn't play, it's like that's, it feels like his career is slipping through his fingers. Mm. But um, they still have a lot of good players. They are still technically deep. But dude, I can totally see the Jazz, like maybe a gentleman's sweep. Gentleman's sweep, Jazz first round against Clippers. Mm. Mm. And it's so fascinating because, like, it, in 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 your mind, it doesn't make sense to think of that happening because you're like, mm. they don't have the star power. But it it also is, it's you know, like they also kind of remind me a little bit. And Kelly Olynyk was on this team as well. That Isaiah Thomas Boston team that was kind of similar. Like, I know Isaiah Thomas was kind of the the point guard for yeah. that. But um, do you remember them? Like, the whole thing was that everyone can score, so you had to kind of yeah. And they they did really well. They I think they made it to the the Eastern Conference Finals or something, or at least they were the one seed as well. They they also were the one seed. But yeah, the, this Jazz team just kind of reminds me of like yeah. a, a a classic eight seed where you like I don't know who the star player is, but it's good. But they're in first, so good for them, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they I don't think they'll stay at first. Mm. I think they'll probably settle for like maybe fifth or sixth or something. Um, which is why I think they'll play like the Clippers because I don't mm. think they'll, I don't think they'll first, they won't see the Suns or like the Mavs in the first round because I don't think they'll drop that low. I think they will really get that like mid tier like a Clippers in the first round, and uh, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> also, uh, I I just want to kind of go back to something. I'm also feeling like just based on this conversation. The Bucks are seriously underrated. I know we've already mentioned it on this podcast today, but I just want to get back into it just for one more second. Um, because I'm <laughs> the more podcasts I listen to where they bring up the Bucks, they're like, you know, they're a good team, but they're only about six people deep. And every time I hear a different person bring that up, they mention a different six players. And I'm like, this yeah. to me is telling me that people really don't understand what's happening with this team. I don't know if you Absolutely. if you've noticed that. Hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like. People always just they'll bring up like what they'll bring up like so the starters pretty mm-hmm. like consistent everyone's like yep that's a good starting team but then I think everyone's kind of forgotten about the bench and but mm. but then people are like oh no wait there's Bobby Porter's like he's good it's like this is true we all know this <laughs> people are forgetting that like I said um, Wes Matthews is having a great season George Hill is still in good nick uh, we've got a couple like more is in his third year, second mm. or third year. So like he's actually, he's not being left wide open on the three-point line anymore because people know he can shoot. Um, Bochamp is actually not getting trash minutes and making the best of it. Um, so like there's these like people on our, and then we've still got people who are injured like like Pat Connaughton and I guess ostensibly many of the starters. But oh, even um, Ingles as well. Tom- Ingles, Javon Carter, yep. um, criminally undermentioned on this podcast. <laughs> super bad, but dude is a sniper. I don't know when he became like like a sniper. I mean, he was shooting well last season, but like the dude does not miss from three. And like 
Did he put up like thirty nine the other day or thirty yeah. six? Like yeah. it's ridiculous, mate. And he's obviously <laughs> the best thing about him is that he's not even like meant to be a shooter. He's yeah. actually meant to be a defensive guard that they throw on like a Kyrie or mm. like something, you know, or like a Chris Paul or someone like that to like just try and annoy and, yeah. and get them out of their rhythm. But the dude is just like a like a laser from three. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah, man. No, it's going to be, it's, I, I'm so excited to see the team at full strength of the players because I think it's really going to sneak up on people. Like, I could see us sweeping the first two rounds. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Uh, at <laughs> least the first round, second round, probably. Because the first round will probably be like, it'll probably be against the Bulls again, probably. Okay. I think. And, and that's, I'm sorry. It's just going to be a, <laughs> a massacre. <laughs> it's going to be an absolute. It's just gonna be a blood. Um, I mean, and so that'll be that'll be in four, and then the second round is probably going to be, I would say, Philly. But traditionally, we see the Celtics in the second round. We've mm. done that a lot. So, um, but yeah, and that I just don't see them. I just see them. They're kind of like the East version of the Clippers. Mm. Every year, people are like, oh, John MVP. <laughs> Now they got James Harden. He's playing good. No, forget it, mate. It's um, you know, they're kind of like you know. I think of the Sixers almost as like the anti uh, Jazz. You know, it's like the coaching yeah. feels weird and bad. It feels like everyone hates being there. It feels like people are criminally underused. Like Maxi's underused. You know, it's just. <laughs> I don't know how many times Tyrese Maxey has to come off the bench and drop 30 before they like, do you know what I mean? I feel like every single time I see his like stat sheet or like highlights, it's like Tyrese Maxey with an insane 20 points in 15 minutes. And you're like, what? why is the guy not starting? Like I don't, he's what? been doing that for like two seasons at least. Like, I also kind of feel like like they should run more stuff through him. He reminds me of um, he like there's I always like really quick point guards because it's so annoying to deal with if you're like you you need a certain type of player to guard them, you know. And he's so fast. He he has a lot of confidence. He can shoot. Why isn't like why isn't there just like a lot of Joel Embiid and him pick and rolls all the time and just leave Harden out on the corner? Like for me, that is the the tough part to guard. You know. Well, this comes back to what we were saying in the sense that like with the the big like the big teams, these superstar teams versus the Eurobull style mm. teams, there is no living like a reality where James Harden is gonna is going to humble himself to be a like spot up, even for like one or two plays, a spot up corner three shooter. <laughs> Like he is, ne- if they're like, hey, mate, um, you know, literally for like uh, the first two plays and the last two plays, we're just going to run Maxi and B, pick and roll, but be ready there for the, you mm-hmm. know, for the pop. And be- he's not doing that. <laughs> if he's not in every like ball handling, like you said, it's, he's just not having it. And mm. I think that that's one of the problems with a team like them, which has so many like great names that play really good ball that just aren't, I mean, even Thibault, like, I think if they gave him a bit more opportunity, I think he would really open up offensively. Like, mm. everyone knows him as, like, yeah, good defense, that you know, whatever. But 
they literally run everything through either Harden or Embiid and they never give anyone else a chance, which is like, yeah, well, no wonder he's not getting any points. Like, yeah. he's only getting putbacks or, like, you know, uh, you know, if he manages to get the ball just swings to him, he might get a shot up. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, and it's also, like, you know what it is? It creates a bad environment because when you play on those types of teams, like, where you don't get the ball, like, say, it's, it's like playing with a guy in pickup who just always handles the rock and then like just keeps jacking stuff up when you get the ball you're like i need to use this opportunity to shoot even if it's not the right play because you're like i need like i need to show that i can do something and so the dynamics all wrong where your players who shouldn't be shooting feel like well this is my one opportunity where i finally touch the ball so i may as well jack it up um so i think yeah i I don't know it's i i do hope it all leans more towards like the jazz style ball and stuff like that man but they've been doing the same thing mate for seasons on end Oh yeah, not not about <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, we're just the seven sixes. Like everyone wants to lay the blame, and you know, I don't know. We can get into this if you want on coaches and stuff. Everyone wants to lay the blame at Doc Rivers' feet, but like I honestly think the dude's gone in there. I actually think he's trying to bring in some kind of change and say, all right, let's you know, let's try and work some stuff out and let's try and try some different things. And I think it beats like, Embiid is like, no, this is my team, and Harden's like. No, I need to average like 20, 25 at least a game. Mm. And I think they're stifling any kind of legitimate coaching, which mm. is a carbon copy of what's happening in, in Brooklyn as well. Yeah, I was just thinking um, that. Yeah, and 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 it's exactly what happened in the Lakers, uh, you know, and what do they do? They're like, well, we can't fire. Like they're, they're not going to trade Embiid. Mm. They're not going to trade James Harden because they just got him. You know, maybe they, and then if they trade anyone else, it doesn't seem like enough of a change. So what do they do? Well, they fire the coach. Mm. So, yeah, it, I think at some level, again, I'm kind of just going on the hoops here, but like, <laughs> I think at some level, for many teams, the NBA coaches are redundant. Like taking out the good teams that are actually like team coached mm. as like these superstar teams. I think, I don't even know why they have a coach, to be honest. Mm. Well, you know, like I was thinking this with the whole Brooklyn situation, them firing Steve Nash. I was like, what? I was thinking, why would they want to do that? You know, Um, I mean, obviously they're not playing well, but why would they want to do that? And for me, it's like, I think there's these on paper teams. And I think exactly what you're talking about with Embiid and Harden and stuff. There's, they have the expectation of, I don't want to be coached. I want you to coach everyone else on the team so they are ready when I need them. And then I'm, and then, and then that lack of kind of leadership is what ends up creating these bad teams where the, you know, the team's kind of not cohesive at all, because I I do kind of get that sense. Sometimes when I listen to KD talk about stuff is that he's like, I'm good, right? I know I can shoot. I know I can, I know I can break down anyone one-on-one what coaching am I going to get that's going to make me better, you know? And then, but he's not thinking like, if I go to these things and I, you know, I try and do this with my team and I, I and I, I want to make all my teammates better, which I think happens in Golden State. Um, and I think that's why they're yeah. consistently so good. Um, but it's like when I put in that extra effort with the role players, then that brings everything together. You know, when I'm, you know, at the practices and try, and I'm trying to run stuff through other people, not myself. Um, that's where- I think you know, maybe- I think KD genuinely thinks he's like, the reason we're not winning is because other people in the team aren't doing their bit. Mm. I think he thinks he's like, I'm putting up 30 a game. Kyrie and Kyrie thinks the same thing. I'm putting up 30 mm. a game. So there's 60 points. They're mm. like, 
we're literally carrying the burden for 50% of the scoring, mm. more or less. And and they probably look around the team and go, what are you guys doing? I mm. need 10 from Joe Harris. I need like 15 from Simmons. Like, And I reckon they just, it's a lot of point, finger pointing. Mm. And it's, it's really just showed that you can't actually win basketball games just on scoring. Mm. Like you just, you can't just purely outscore a team. Mm. It just won't work. And it's crazy to think that I think like out of the, the best three point shooters in the league right now, and maybe some of the best ones in NBA history are all on the nets mm. and they still can't win. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, um, KD, Kyrie. These are some of like the best shooters highest career percentage like they're all shooting career like 40 percent pretty much which is insane like you could all like in your head you're like we should just play like rockets ball from like four Mm. years ago and just only shoot threes and but it doesn't work you know yeah yeah and i yeah and it's just uh and i think that's like even well sorry sorry mate even (laughs) um our boy even our boy Paddy Mills, mm. he's not a scrub shooting from three. Mm. But sorry, sorry. It'd be remiss to leave him out. But anyway, go on. No, yeah. No, and I think it's just a broader thing of like there, there's just a difference between on paper teams and what actually makes a team win. And they're two different things. It's not like how good your roster is on 2K. There's a different headspace that kind of has to bring it all together that I think is outside of that. But anyway, Tom, we've got uh, two minutes 30 left. So let's jump into our agent, Cody Bank. Let me pull up my little timer here. Um, Now, as people may know, this is a segment where we have 40 seconds each to sell a player for a massive contract who's a pretty obscure player. And the fun is that we don't know who the other person has chosen for us. Uh, So, Tom, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I want you to go first, mate. And I, right. I, I'm picking someone who's just come to the limelight and I'm curious, like, why you think they need a bag for more <laughs> than just next year. Anyway, let's go. Laurie Marketing, go. Oh, my gosh. The Marksman. Well, I mean, here's why. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of someone called Dirk Nowitzki, mate? Well, you're looking right <laughs> at him. <laughs> what can't this man do? The man is out there shooting like a sniper. He's like nearly seven foot tall. So if that's something that you're looking for in a teammate, someone who's tall and can shoot, then that's what we need. Uh, beyond that, I mean, this year, I think he's like, he's one of the top scorers on the best team in the West. That doesn't happen to anybody. And look, the Jazz has been a number one seed before and they've lost. I think this year's going to be different. And it's because they've got the marksman, Lowry. All right. <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> All right, Please mate. pick a player I know. If you pick oh, no, someone... I know. Uh, you, you definitely know this player. Don't worry. All right. Tommy, your time is going to start in one second. The player that you are going to be yeah. agent Cody Bank for is Matthew Delavadova of the Kings. Mate, the resurgence of Delavadova. Lest we forget the defensive masterclass he put on when he was at the Cavs on Steph Curry. I mean, the dude, you don't like that level of experience. You just... You cannot get anywhere else. Delhi is he's consistent. He has the most beautiful jump shot I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, he's great for team chemistry. And I feel like, you say he's on the Kings right now? Yeah. I feel like <laughs> he is the kind of player that you need on a rebuilding roster like the Kings, bringing the youngsters. He teaches them, teaches them how to shoot, how to defend, 3 and D. Keep it going, Delhi. I love you, mate. <laughs> 
And that's pretty much all our time. I love that, Tom. Uh, great sell on the Dell. Uh, and <laughs> all right, I'll see you next time, dude. Uh, but uh, until next time, Finn. I think it's the official ending. <laughs>